Let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank You and praise You for showing up here today. I thank You for the anointing. I thank You for giving me utterance. Father, I thank You for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of You and Your Word, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that each individual will get exactly what they need to hear from You today. Father, specific, individual, Raymond, each person. I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Zoe, Life of God, Part 12. Go to the first one for me, Mandy. 1 John 5 and verse 11, it's our jumping off scripture. It says, And this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life, perpetual Zoe. And this is the life, uh, this life is in His Son. So He's already given it to us. It's already ours. We already have it. Now, I said this last week, I want to say it again. If I gave you a car, now it's your car. Guess what? If you don't put gas in it, it isn't my fault. If you don't drive it, it isn't on me. If you don't keep up with the maintenance, it's not my, right? So God gave you this gift of eternal life. It's yours. What you do with it is up to you. It's not on Him. See, most Christians, they'll be like, well, why didn't God just show up? And we're, we're working on that. We, start, we finished off there last week about, uh, you know, believing in ourselves and believing that we're able. And so we're going to continue on with that, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Go to the next one. There's three kinds of life, right? It's hard not to get to the good part. I've got to discipline myself, right? <laughs> Three kinds of life in the New Testament, because you always want to tell the punchline, you know? <laughs> we got bios and suke and zoe. We saw the bios is natural life, right? We get the word biology from it. Suke is our uh, mind, will, and emotions. Uh, that's where we get the word psychology from, and that's our, uh, our soul. It's, it's immortal. It never dies. It doesn't cease to exist, but that doesn't mean that it's new every day. We have to do something with that. It is what it is. But Zoe is the life of God. It's eternal. That means it's perpetual. It's instantly and constantly renewed. It resides in our spirit. And God does that. When He gave it to us, He is already built in that it will be brand new every second, every second, every second. Our mind and our body don't have that uh, lazy way out, if you will. we got to do something with our mind and our body to make it new and to make it do what we want it to do, which is line up with the life of God. Okay, Most Christians don't do that. They just kind of wait till they get to heaven and then they'll get the whole package. They think. Okay, so go to the next one. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 10 says, It's always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, the zoe, also of Jesus, might be made manifest in our body. So what we're looking for is to have the life of Jesus show up in our body so that we could all see it. I could see it. You could see it. We could all see it. It's not like some hidden thing. It's not something that we have to nuance. Right now, boom, they got the life of Jesus in their body. He said it might be. But it also might not be. And he said the key to that is to remember that it was the dying of the Lord Jesus that gave you this gift. That Jesus died so that you could have eternal life and God already gave it to you. It's nothing that you can do or can't do. It's not a checklist, right? It's not as a money amount of money you can give, right? I remember when uh, Simon the uh, sorcerer followed behind the apostles in Samaria and they were laying, Peter was laying hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and he tried to give them money. He said, oh, give me money so that I could do that. He said, man, you can't buy the gift of God, any gift from God with money. Well, that kind of go against all what Christianity you know, sells today, doesn't it? If you give me a certain amount of money, you'll get healed. If you give me a lot of money, you'll get rich. I mean, no, he already gave it to you. It's yours. Okay? <laughs> all right? I don't do that with my kids. I'll give you a birthday present if you give me everything you have. Then I'll give you your gift. Do you want it? That's just stupid. We don't do it to our kids. Why do we think that God does it to us? Go to the next one. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. This is what kind of where we are. we're looking at these uh, nine things, right? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. So how does grace and peace come to us? Through knowledge. So that's what we do in church every week, right? I'm not coming just to have, you know, punch my ticket or, you know, not miss out on a couple hours of sleep. Verse 3, according to His divine, or the Godhead's power, He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life, zoe, and godliness through the knowledge of of Him that called us to glory and virtue. So look, He's equipped us with everything that we need to have the life of Jesus and to be just like Him, and it comes through knowledge. If you don't, look, if you're dwarfed in knowledge, if your knowledge is small, your zoe is going to be small. The level, that you, the level of knowledge that you have is going to uh, coincide with the level of zoe that you experience in your body. So if you don't do anything to increase your knowledge, you're not going to do anything to increase your zoe or grace or peace or any of the benefits that come with this covenant. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature or equal partners of the Godhead. That's huge. He said by these promises, right? And they're great. Aren't they great? They almost blow your mind great. Because you can't really hardly get your mind wrapped around, I'm an equal partner with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Isn't that heresy, Andrew? 
Well, if it is, then you better take it up with the Bible because I'm just reading it. Uh, okay, right? Maybe you should switch religions if you've got a problem with that. Hindus, you know, looking for somebody. Harry Krishnas are always looking for some people at the airport. Sure they are. All right? Amen. But with, So what, through these promises... Then we've been made a partaker of the divine nature, or equal partner with the Godhead. We've escaped. We have the ability to escape the corruption, the decay that is in the world through lust. Through Adam and Eve saying, boy, that fruit looks good. Then the curse of the fall came, right? And, and the, everything starts to decay after that. It's all in a state of decay, everything. He said, we can escape that. You don't have to have that in your life. That's good news. Mm-hmm. I, I like that because I like my stuff new. Mm-hmm. Don't you like new stuff better than old rusty, out, broken down? Hold it together with bubble gum and, you know, coat wire stuff? I do. But some people try to tell you that it's holy to have broken down, held together with bubble gum and coat hangers. It ain't. Go to the next one. Verse 5 says this, And besides this, besides these great promises, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity, or agape love. Go to the next one. For if these things, these nine things be in you, and they abound, they make you so that you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, knowledge is the thing that gets us all this stuff. He says, so if you do these nine things, your knowledge is going to kick in. It's going to bear fruit. Okay, go to the next one. He said, but he that lacks these things is blind, and he cannot see afar off. And he's forgotten that he was purged from old sins. So what will happen if you don't stay on these nine things, right? What will happen is you'll forget that you're an equal partner with the Godhead. And it goes south after that. As soon as you forget, as soon as hell tells you, you know you, did, you don't deserve that. You know what you did. You don't measure up. Uh-huh, I'm an equal partner with the Godhead. I do too measure up. I'm just reading the Bible and read it out loud. Read it to hell. Read it to your thoughts. Read it to whoever you want to read it to that's telling you you can't or you're not. Okay? We'll pull that thing out. Now, look, it says it right here. I got a contract. I mean, if you had a contract for anything and someone was juicing you and ripping you off, oh, you would, you would pull that contract out, wouldn't you? I would try to hold them to the contract. Okay. He said, wherefore, in verse 10, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make sure that your calling and election is sure, for if you do these nine things, you'll never fall, and you'll never, never fail, and you're never, mm, you ain't going to stumble. Get my English right. Okay, good enough. He said, for thus, through these nine things, shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, no, in his eternal, perpetual kingdom, which is constantly renewed, he doesn't have to deal with decay. Nothing's wearing out. He don't need to hurry up and get new brakes and tires on the Hummer. Do you you find that? And you know, we saw a piece of this in the children of Israel even though they screwed up and they never went into their inheritance for 40 years, because how many know there ain't no Macy's or Dillard's out there and there's no paid last shoe store to get new shoes? He said, your clothes and your shoes never wore out for 40 years. They didn't decay. I mean, in that environment, that's pretty cool. But you know what? That was settling. And if they could get it settling for not their inheritance but staying in the wilderness, how much more should we get it when we walk into our inheritance? Amen. Amen. Go to the next one. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent, to put you always in remembrance of these nine things. Though you know them, and you're probably sick of hearing them, right? Because that's what he says, even though you're established in the present truth. I know that, I'd do that. He said, yeah, I think it is right or meet, as long as I'm in this body, this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You know, that's why Peter didn't write a whole lot of the New Testament, because he only had these nine things, right? So he had two little books. Paul had a lot more than nine things he was talking to us about, so he got some more, uh, you know, ink time. But anyway, go to the next one. So, here's these nine things that we should do not to fall. Besides this, giving all diligence. That was the first one. Go to the next one, Mandy. We saw the diligence was this. That we're attentive, persistent in doing a thing, steadily applied force. It's active, unremitting, untiring, constancy of effort, speed, and earnestness, meticulous, your attention to detail. Right? And the opposite was lazy, careless, lethargic, indifferent, apathy. And we saw that Jesus, am I going fast enough for you? We've, we, I mean, we've been over this for five weeks now. Jesus equated diligence with faithfulness. Remember that? Go to the next one. We saw this, Luke 16 and verse 10, He that's faithful in the least will be faithful in much. He that is unjust in the least will be unjust in much. So again, prioritize your diligence. What this tells me is that you could be unjust or not be able to justify what you're being faithful in. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said unjust. So be faithful in little things. You'll be faithful in a lot of things. But be careful because anything that's little that you, don't, you can't justify being faithful in, you better cut that one off and go be faithful in something that you could justify being faithful in. You all follow that? 
because there's a lot of things that we might be faithful in because you can't be diligent and faithful in everything. Y'all know that you ain't got enough time. Well, we don't. We don't have enough energy, not anything. You, unless you clone yourself. Right? Because right? you can't be in, what's that thing? You can't be in two places at one time, but if I could, right? So prioritize what you're going to be diligent in. Go to the next one. Then we saw this. That giving all diligence add to your faith. The next one was faith. Go, Mandy. Remember we saw that faith is absolute certainty in the trustworthiness of another, and I said it should be God. That we should trust God absolutely certain that He's going to show up. Not, oh, you don't know what God's going to do. No, we do know what He's going to do. He told us everything that He's going to do. Not only that, He told us everything that He did do, everything that He's in the middle of doing, and everything that He's going to do in the future. Hey, that's pretty good. I mean, He lays it all out in great detail. You know, not like, hey, God, what would you do last night? Nothing. Did you ever say that? What are you doing? No, oh, I didn't do nothing last night. No, really, what would you do? No, I sat in a chair and did nothing, right? No, God tells you exactly what it is that he did. Amen. But the opposite of trust is disbelief or distrust, doubt, misgiving, skepticism, and suspicion, right? Like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, is not in the Bible, if it's, you know, if it's in the Bible, even though it sounds too good to be true, it is. And if you don't believe it and you're skeptical or you're suspicious because you just don't trust God because you never know what He's going to do. Right? But how do you know? The, the way to establish trust with somebody is to have an intimate relationship with them, a track record, isn't it? The longer that you, know, you hang out with me and I hang out with you and I understand how you think and what you do and how you're going to react, then I can trust that you're going to do certain things in certain situations. And I could also trust that if I, you know, push your buttons that you're going to go off in certain situations, right? So what we want to do is find out God's character on an intimate level so that I have that trust for me, not based on somebody else. See, and this is what most Christianity does. We don't spend the time to find out for ourselves. We'll go listen to a preacher who says he has a relationship with God, and then we'll base what, we, what God's character is on, on what he thinks, mm-hmm. not what you know. I would never have married my wife until I found out that I know for myself that she's who she is. Just somebody else telling it to me? I'm not, I'm not entering a marriage covenant on that deal. Right? Mail order bride? Not happening. How I many of those things usually don't work out too good? Just, just based on, you know, track record of watching people. I know some people that got the mail order brides not working out too good. Amen. So then after that is uncertainty. To be unsure, right, and lacking in confidence. And see, when we don't have intimate knowledge of God's character, that we know He'll show up no matter what, and that He'll do what He said He'll do, even if it looks like it ain't happening as fast as I want it to, right, we'll start to get uncertain, and then we push our confidence off because you don't know if God's going to show up or not. And so because the few times that we thought we were believing God when we really weren't because we didn't hear from Him to do something, and then He didn't show up when we thought that He should have when we're doing something that was in disobedience anyway to start with, He never told us to do it, right? Then we're afraid God's not going to show up when the real thing happens. So we're afraid to step out into that, and that's what the last thing is, is fear. We're just afraid He's not going to show up. And I mean, that, and that, that's a big problem in the body of Christ. Go to the next one, Mandy. Psalm 31, verse 19. Remember this said, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear thee. So if you're going to fear something, if you're going to be afraid of something, be afraid of God. Not, not Him not showing up. Be afraid of that, oh, I might disappoint Him, more than you'd be afraid of whatever is going to bad is going to happen. Okay? Because you're going to fear something and fear. But we also know that fearing the Lord is to hate evil. He said, but them that fear in which you have wrought, you've worked like a blacksmith working iron. I mean, no, that's a lot of work. God's done a lot of work to make good stuff for you. He said, but it's for them that trust in Him before they trust in the sons of men. Amen. Go to the next one. Now, we saw this in, in 1 Corinthians 10, right, that for our example was everything that the children of Israel went through in the wilderness. You remember that? I'm not going to read it again, but it's for our example and for our instruction. Now, God will never put you in a spot that goes beyond your ability to believe Him or your ability to pull off whatever He's asking you to do. He won't do it. How do you know, Andrew? Because here in Exodus 13, when the children of Israel are leaving Egypt, remember after the ten plagues, right? And uh, before, the, before the Red Sea, they're all leaving. And, and they've all got all their stuff and they're, and they're going out. And it says, And it came to pass that when Pharaoh let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, even though that was near... For God said, lest peradventure the people repent and turn back when they see war and they go back to Egypt. Go to the next one. Now here's this map, right? Goshen, that's where they were. 
right up up here, across the uh, on the coast, up to Jericho. That's the land of the Philistines. We know it as the Gaza Strip now. You ever hear that? That's the Philistines. That the word Palestine is really the Greek word for Philistines. Philistine. Y'all find okay? So here we go. They, God said, "No, nah, I'm not going to take them the short way because they don't really have enough." intimate knowledge of my character, even though the ten plagues, woo, ten plagues, they don't have the Bible yet, and they, ten plagues, that's all they got in the last 400 years, right? I mean, they forgot about Abraham, they forgot about Isaac, right? Jacob, we remember that from a character God, that dude was a mess, and so were the, the sons. I mean, you know, right? And now 400 years later, you know how that's degenerated. So, God says, they don't know enough about my character to believe me and to believe in themselves that I believe, that they could do it, even though they could, couldn't they? Yeah, because God knew they could, but he said, you know what, they might not believe that they can. So let's not go that way. So go to the next one. In verse 18, he said, but God led the people through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And so the children of Israel went up, harnessed up, or with all their stuff on, out of the land of Egypt. Go to the next one. So here's where they went. Here's the short way, land of the Philistines up there to Jericho. Here's the long way, down into this desert, across the Red Sea. Right here's Mount Sinai down here. And then they went all the way back up. Okay, it took them 390 days, remember? It would have taken 350 if they didn't do the golden calf business. Okay? So God still thought, he thought, God knew they couldn't do it in the two weeks, but he's thinking I, they could do it in 11 months. He said, we could build up enough relationship in 350 days or 390 days, whichever one you want to take. If, if you're slow, it might take you 13 months, but I don't think anybody's going to go jump into idolatry for six weeks, are you? No, so let's knock those for 40 days off. Right? Anybody going to go get a Buddha? Try that out for six weeks, see how it works. No, I think we're past that, right? Okay, so he knows that you got it. He said, listen, I know that they can get a hold of my character on an intimate knowledge, intimate, have intimate knowledge of me and what I do and how I work, and that they'll build up that trust level within 11 months. Okay? All right, go to the next one. Now, we saw this in Hebrews 11:6. that, but without faith or without that trust level, it's impossible to please God, Right? For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. I give cash for free to them that diligently seek me. Why do I throw this in? Because this is so important that he don't care about your behavior. He cares about do you trust me or not. Do you all find that? He don't care if you disappoint. The only way you'll disappoint him is if you don't trust him. You know all that stuff where your mama would say, is the Lord pleased with that behavior? Would the Lord be pleased with you right now? If you're believing him, I don't care if you got a big stogie in your mouth and, and, whatever, and a big Guinness or whatever else that the world would say or your mom would say is wrong, right? It's not. If you're believing him, he don't care about any of that other junk. He don't care. If he did, he'd never get nothing done. Because again, I reference Abraham, Isaac, and J- Jacob and those kook sacks that were his kids. I have, whew, Sleeping with their stepmom, all kind of junk. Okay, but listen, so here's the deal. He's just looking for you to trust him. And that's just so easy. You, you, you know what? You don't have to worry about, well, I don't deserve this and I couldn't do that and I didn't clean up my act and you know I missed the, you know, the volunteer drive for fundraising for the PTA and I didn't feed the home. Oh, no. Do you trust God? Because that's what flips his happy switch. They believe me. Right? Okay, go to the next one. Psalm 31 and verse 23 says this, O love the Lord, all ye His saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and plentifully rewards the proud doer. Now you see there's three levels. The saints, right? That's anybody who's born again. He's telling them, hey, look, love God. All y'all love the Lord. How many know? Because there's people that are born again that don't really love the Lord. Really? Yeah, really. Because you know what? Loving Him ain't a requirement to believe in Him. I mean, you could trust people that don't. Do you trust your employer? Do you love them? You see what I'm saying? Do you trust them? That'll give you your paycheck. But that don't mean, you know, I'm loving him. Do you all find this? So you could trust somebody without loving them, couldn't you? We do every day. Don't we? But he's saying, you know what? Love the Lord, all you his saints. He said, and the Lord preserves the faithful, which is also the diligent. That's who gets the covenant protection. He preserves them. And then look, who gets the big reward? The proud doer. Proud doer. If you ain't a proud doer, you don't get the reward. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you're faithful or not. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you're being born again or not, does it? That's why it ain't going to fall on you. Just because you're born again and you're in the covenant doesn't mean you get the big reward. Well, I'm just reading the Bible. 
Because, you know, that's out there. In, in like, you know, the big charismatic word circles, like you just show up and, oh, you know, as long as you write your tithe check, you get the big reward. That's not what it says. It says be the proud doer. All right, go to the next one. Now we saw this in Numbers 13. And I'm backing up a little because we're going to, where faith is going to coincide with the next thing on the list. Numbers 13 and verse 25. Now this is where they all came back, right? The, the, the spies, the 12 spies. They went in 390 days. They're going to go check out the land for 40 days. And they did six weeks. They checked out their inheritance. Here they come, verse 25. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And when they went, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. They were bringing like grapes and it was taking two of them to carry the grapes that were so big and you know I'm sure they brought some other stuff back. Right? And then I'll go to the next one. And it says, And they told them, told Moses and they said, We came into the land that you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey and here's the fruit of it. That's good, isn't it? Looking good so far, but then they mess it up and they go, nevertheless, oops, starting to go south. The people be strong that dwell in the land. Now, I said last week when I was reading this, I'm like, good. I don't want like weaklings building my stuff. (laughs) Right? If they're weak and they're frail and they're anorexic, they might not build a chair big enough for Papa Bear. Right? It might be Baby Bear's chair and Goldilocks would be just right. So I want big, I want strong people. If I'm going to take their stuff, I want them to be strong. But these people now, they, they look at it like, oh, they're strong. And they said, and the cities are walled. Good. Then I don't have to build one. But that's not what they're saying. They're thinking, oh, we've got to go through them. Yeah, that's bad. And they're very great. Good. Would you rather have Sugar Tit or New York City if you were getting your inheritance? And Sugar Tit's an actual, for all those people freaking out, it's a zip code. It's a, which one would you rather have? Which one's great and which one's not? I know they got that really cool hardware store in Sugar Tit and that little go-kart racetrack, but other than that, there's nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'd be happy if they were great cities. He said, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. That's the giants. That's good, too, because, again, I don't want midgets building my stuff. I don't want to try and live in Yoda's house if I'm Luke Skywalker, bumping my head on everything, right? These toilets are ginormous, remember, Elf? <laughs> right? No, I don't want that. I want big-sized toilets. Okay, go to the next one. And verse 29... And the Amalekites dwell there in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, and they dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and the coast of Jordan. I'm like, great, the whole land is developed. You've got your beach house if you want it. You've got your mountain cabin if you want it. You've got a river, like, you know, fishing cabinet, whatever you want. But they don't know. There, there's a lot of people there. Good. But looking, So everybody's starting to freak out now because they're saying it in a bad way. I, just, I, st- I can't even bring myself to say it in a bad way. I mean, it's so far against my thinking to be scared. But anyway, look. So, and then Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it for God's able to overcome them. Is that what he said? No, he said what? We are well able, not just a little bit able, but well able to overcome it. We are. We, we, what? Us? You see that? Now go to the next one. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. Do you have a covenant? Do you see this? They're in covenant. They're not trusting, are they? They're certainly not going to be a proud doer. They're a proud coward. We can't do it. And then set it in front of everybody so you know they're proud about it. It wasn't like they were whispering, you know, I don't think we can do it. In front of the whole nation. We can't go. All right, go to the next one. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Now, how many know the facts are the facts? It's how you view the facts that makes it a good report or an evil report. If I view the facts in the light of what God said about them, it's a good report. Because it doesn't matter if if the doctor says I'm sick. According to the Word, it says I'm healed. Now I know what I can fight. Good, I'm glad to have the diagnosis, Doc. Thanks. I'll get right on it. Not... Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. You see, it's the same facts. How do you approach it makes it an evil report or a good report? Do you all follow that? That's bad. It's huge. And I told you this. When bad news comes, what the world would consider bad news, get happy because there's fixing to be a wealth transfer. Because God can't steal it from somebody. 
So when you're in the middle of a business deal and it goes and it's like it's bad news, get happy because I'm fixing to get more. And I could show you that, and we, we have showed that in the Scripture in the Inheritance series, where time and time again, every time the children of Israel were faced with a giant military power that outnumbered them sometimes ten to one and had chariots and had tanks, you know, which is modern tanks, right? And horses. What are we going to do? God, this is your thing. If we die, it's on you. Okay. They trust God, and then He routes them, and then they take all the spoils. Thanks. We just took all the riches of a nation that was ten times heavily more armed than us. Seemed like bad news on the front end, but that's a good report. Get happy, because it means, because God ain't going to steal it from them. You know, you know, he says, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. I mean, no, in order to, he, something has to happen for the legal transfer of that money, that wealth to get into your account. We ain't going to steal it. God's not a thief. So he's going to have to set up some kind of battle somewhere where these guys will risk everything that they have and it'll end up in your account. Y'all following that? They brought up a evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And the people we saw are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in theirs. So we're grasshoppers in our own sight. What? Huh? What, are you kidding me? Alright, so go now watch what happened on the back end of this. Go to the next one. Joshua 2, we saw this last week. This is all still review, but I want to say it again because it leads into the next thing, right? Joshua 2 and verse 9, this is where they're on Rahab's roof 40 years later. Now they send two spies this time. Joshua got smart. We ain't sending 12, right? Because 10 were bad and 2 showed up good, so we'll just send 2. So they go in and they're searching out the land. And so the people of Jericho heard on the street, the word on the street was, there's two Israeli spies here, so they go into Rahab's house, who is a hooker. She hides them. And look at this is what she says. She said, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now, you know, she ain't like, you know, she's just a regular, yeah, hooker. I I hate to say it again to church. I'm looking to make sure my wife's not here so she doesn't hit me with something. But you understand, she ain't, I mean, if the woman on the street literally knows the deal, you know what I'm saying? And how many, I bet she has a free flow of information, Right? Pillow talk. All right, Mike's right on it, okay? <laughs> right? She said, I know the Lord's given you the land and that your terror is falling upon us. I mean, no, she knows what the mood of the people are. All right? Okay. So, that's your terror. Whose terror? Whose terror? Yeah, the, 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 it was the people's terror. Did she say God's terror came on us? No, no, your terror came on us. And that all the inhabitants, inhabitants of the land faint because of who? You. you. Because of God? No. no, because of you. How many know if God wanted to wipe out the land, He could have brought any hurricane, tornado, fire from heaven. He did the ten plagues to Egypt. He could do it there in Canaan, couldn't He? Right? They ain't afraid of that. That would already happen. They're afraid of the people showing up. Covenant people. Go to the next one. In verse 10 it says, For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For who? You. And when you came out of Egypt, and what you did, what happened to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, and Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed? And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Because of God? Because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and earth beneath. Sounds like she's worshiping to me. Now, this hooker knows what's going on. Doesn't she know the score? And you know what? She's in the bloodline of Jesus for it. Three women named in the genealogies. She's one of them. A hooker in Jesus' bloodline. So does your behavior matter? Or do you just trust in God matter? Because she's trusting in God at this point. She's recognizing where she should put her trust. Found that? Now, look, go to the next one. That, where we leave off with trust, and now it's I be able to do it, and they're afraid of me, 
and I, I know God's not going to set me up for anything, brings us to the next thing on the list. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, which is the Greek word valor. So diligence was the first thing. Then we add to our diligence, we, we get faith and we trust in God. Then He cues us up one. In order for us to end up being the proud doer, if we don't add valor to the fact that we believe Him and trust Him, we'll never get the plentiful reward. Do you all follow this? Because there's plenty of people that do trust God. They wouldn't, they wouldn't say, no, God couldn't do it. But they'd leave off that they could do it when God tells them to do it. And so what it is, they're afraid of their own inability to pull off what God told them to do, not trusting that God said, I will show up and be your strength for you. Y'all found this? I'm way off over here. Whatever. All right, go to the next one. Here's what valor is. Now, it says virtue in the King James, but in the Greek, it's the word valor. Okay? Valor is courage, boldness, it's bravery. It means that you're fearless, especially in battle. Now, courage and brave and fearless in battle, that kind of, you know, it's kind of hard for us if you haven't been in battle to, to understand what those things are. But boldness we can understand in real life, real time. R- right? Like, here's some boldness for you. Hey, you know what? To my employer, you ain't paying me enough. I need a raise. I mean, that would be boldness. Y'all found that? Real life, real time. So use the word boldness when you think of valor. How bold are you going to be in doing the thing that God said that you can do and queued you up for? Now the opposite of this, again, the opposite, you know, flip side of the coin, we can sometimes locate ourselves better, is cowardice. And we don't really want to say cowardice, right? But if you ain't bold, then you're on that side of the coin. Fearful or, here's a good one, timid. If you're timid about your covenant, we're timid about riches belong to me, we're timid about healing belongs to me. We're not bold. You, you follow? And some people are timid. They won't even want to say that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. That's why I tell you, say the Ephesians prayer, or the body prayer, out loud. We won't even, have, you know, we're afraid to say it even if we're by ourselves with the, you know, the radio on in case there's any spies listening in on the buggy system, right? <laughs> Faint-hearted and shrinking. So that's what these ten spies were that said, they're stronger than us. They were shrinking. What were, what were those people thinking of them? Oh, we better bend over and kiss our butts goodbye because here they come, is what the, uh, what the enemy was thinking. And then in their own mind, they were shrinking from it because they're stronger than we are. Were they? Not in those other people didn't think so. Said there wasn't any courage left in any of them. Look out, here they come. Not here that here comes God, here comes God's people. Do you, do you see the difference? Because we're all sitting around waiting for God to do something. He ain't. That's why we're here. You, you all follow this? It's God's people. That he already got His inheritance. He don't need no more. You, you know what I'm saying? God's got His wealth. He don't need any more. So look, don't be shy or skittish. Well, that's just my personality. Well, you need to work on one of these nine things if you want to have Zoe. Now, and there's been people in here that started when they got here, they were shy. They ain't no more. You sit here for two years, you ain't going to be shy after a while. Don't be retreating. Don't back off nothing. This is valor. Valor is, I don't back off what belongs to me. Right? If that's what the Word says, it belongs to me, I want it, I ain't backing off until I get it. And I don't care if it takes a hundred years. It won't. But even if it did, I'm not backing off it. And that's why people think that I'm a jerk or harsh. But remember, under strong conscience, a synonym for strong is harsh. I don't retreat. You shouldn't either. And then subdued. You know... People love to be around people who are what we call easygoing, don't we? They don't rock the boat. They go with the flow, all these things. People love to be around them. You know why? Because they're subdued. They'll retreat in a heartbeat. Whatever you want. 
right? You, that's not valor. You, you understand? You ain't getting your inheritance if you're easygoing. If whatever comes along and you go with the flow and you're content, you're not going any further in life. You are where you're at. You, you all follow this? I, I'm not. I, this is serious. Because people, we celebrate easygoing in our culture, in our social circles, because we like to be around people where easygoing. You know why? Because there's no confrontation. <laughs> I like it when people just do what I say. Don't you? Hell likes it when Christians just do what he said, when, what Satan says too. Like, be poor. You know you got to be sick. Whatever will be, will be. Yeah. Right? No, we ain't doing that. If you want what God has for you, and you believe Him, and then you've, you've done your diligence, you've done your due diligence, you've been faithful, you trust what He has for you is for you, now you've got to add valor and boldness to it to get it. Because once He brings you to the Jordan, He ain't doing nothing else till you go forward. The angels ain't bringing it back across the river for you. you got to go get it. Now, He'll do all the heavy lifting and He'll do all the hard work for you. All you got to do is show up. But most people, we retreat from just showing up. Alright, go to the next one. Now, Joshua 1 and verse 10 will start. Now, you remember the first part of Joshua is when he's saying, be strong and be courageous, right? Don't be afraid. Everywhere that your foot trods, I'll give you. Y'all remember that? Meditate on the Word day and night. You'll have great success. And, and so then he sticks Joshua and he says, all right, go get them. So then Joshua commands all the officers of the people to come to him and he says, pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare you vittles. I like vittles. Reminds me of Daniel Boone. Prepare you vittles for within three days we're going to pass over the Jordan and we're going to go possess the land which the Lord your God gives you to possess. We've been doing this idiot drill for 40 years. Now all of a sudden you're telling me in three days we're going? It's go time? Yeah, put on your game faces, boys, because we're going. Three days. Go to the next one. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the other half of Manasseh, now see these guys, these three tribes, they said, we like this land here on this side of the Jordan. Just give it to us for our inheritance. Bunch of sissy britches, right? Oh, we'll take this. We like the desert. So Moses said, all right, you got it. But just in case you thought you weren't going to come over here, you're going to still show up anyway. How do you like me now? Right, because they thought they were getting out of one. Oh, we like it over here. This is nice. They said, all right, you can have that. Oh, but by the way, Joshua said to him, go to the next one, verse 13, remember the word which Moses, your servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God has given you rest, and he's given you the land. Go to the next one. And your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but you'll pass before all your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and you'll help them. So who's going in to do the, take the land? The mighty men of valor. valor. And even though you all sissed out and wanted to stay on this side of the Jordan, you're going. Pack your trash. You ain't getting out of it that easy. I think that is hilarious. Because I'm sure they were like, poof, set up shop. I like that they start building the porch right here. That's good. I can see the, yeah. Right? And they're like, I'm done. No, no, you ain't. You cheese whizzes. Now look, what I wanted you to see is that everybody that went in to get their inheritance, Joshua called them the who? The mighty men of the mighty men of valor. Now, we kind of when you read this stuff, it sounds like everybody went. But here, apparently, not everybody did go. The only ones that were going in there that Joshua was taking with him were the ones that he knew weren't going to leave him in the fight. You, you all found that? And the rest of you could stay at home with, you know, the cattle and the dogs and watch the cats. Make sure the pets are fed. So who's the one that's going in to get it? The mighty men of valor. Yeah, y'all seen that? Now I want to look at we got we got a few minutes. Who was the guy that stood up and told all the people, "Hey, we are well able to do it." Do you remember who that was? Joshua. It, right, Caleb was the one. Joshua Joshua said, "Yeah, we could do it," but Caleb was the one that took the leading role and he said, "Now wait a minute, we can do this." Now I want you to know, Caleb was the spy from Judah, the tribe of Judah. And he says, no, we be well able. So I want to kind of take a little look at Caleb's life. Just a couple, it gives us some, uh, an insight of what a mighty man of valor, right, and who I think we should model ourselves after to get our inheritance. Wouldn't you think he'd be a good one since he's the one the Bible names? All right, so go over here to um, Numbers 14.
And we got a couple minutes, so, so is it okay if we just read a little extra scripture? Because yeah. I love these stories, man. These stories are awesome. Now, while we're doing this, I want you to just keep in your mind, watch this guy and see what, how God measures his diligence and his faith. Because now we're going to add valor to it, right? So I know in order for him, really to, for him to have valor, he's got to already have had diligence and faithfulness, right? And faith that he trusted in God in order to get, because this is the third one on the list, right? So watch how, it, watch how he tags this guy. So look here in verse uh, 1 of uh, Numbers 14. We'll just start there. And this is right after the, you know, they be giants and they're all, and, you know, we're grasshoppers. It said, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried. And the people wept that night. Boo-hoo-hoo, boo-hoo. What a bunch of dopes. You're fixing to walk into your inheritance and you're crying? And all the children of Israel, they murmured, uh-oh, against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we died in this wilderness. Uh-oh. And I'll just tell you, that back into this chapter, we're not going to read it that far, but they did. God said, all right, I'll give you what you want. You want to die here? Good, die. And wherefore has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword? Does that sound like they trust Him? And our wives and our children that they should be a prey. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Oh yeah, that's a good plan there, McGillicuddy. <laughs> then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, they tore their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then He'll bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense has departed from them, for the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade to stone them with stones. But then watch, now God's had enough. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle, and the congregation showed He's like, whoop, cloud shows up. All right, that's it, we ain't stoning these boys. How stupid is that? They're going to kill... Two of their mighty men, the only two mighty men of valor. How do you know that? Because they're the only two out of this whole crew that went in to get their inheritance. And who got to go? All the mighty men of valor. So the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be before they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I'm going to smite them with the pestilence. That's it. And then I'm going to disinherit them. Yeah, that's it. Disinherit them. Disinherit them. And then I'll make of thee a great nation mightier than they. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. God's talking himself into just frying these people and hooking Moses up. And then Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it. For you brought us up this people in thy might from among them, and they'll tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For the Lord, for they have heard that the Lord is among his people, and that you are seen face to face, and that your cloud stands over them and goes before them in day by a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire. For now, if you kill them, this people, as one man, then all the nations will have heard it, the fame of thee, and they'll speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them before he slain them in the wilderness. So Moses kind of flips it back on God. He said, God, you do that. You know, everyone's going to talk trash and say, you know what, God wasn't able to pull this one off. They ain't going to blame the people. They're going to blame you. How many know that's what people do to this day? They don't blame their own abilities. They blame God's. How many know He's more than able? He said, Now I beseech you, let the power of my Lord be great according to what you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. He Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your mercy as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, have tempted me now these ten times. So ten times they've said, now God can't do it, after He showed them that He could in a miraculous way. And they have not hearkened, say proud doer, proud doer to my voice. Surely, 
They shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and he followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. What's his testimony of Caleb? That he followed me fully. Caleb didn't go anywhere yet, did he? No, he's still stuck on the same side of the Jordan as those other knuckleheads. But God credited to his hand. He said, this guy followed me fully because he said, I can do it because God said I can do it. How does God measure your diligence and your faith and your valor? Is whether you are willing and obedient. Did you see this? Because it says over in Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat or partake the good of the land. So Caleb fully followed the Lord. Isn't that a good testimony? Wouldn't you want that? Okay, flip over here to Numbers 32. Now, how many know that was boldness for this guy? Him and Joshua were the only two out of 1.6 million people that are going, we can do it. Is that boldness? I think that takes more boldness than actually going across the river to Jericho. Because this is all people that he's related to, he got to live with. You know, Father? The huge pressure to conform. Numbers 32, and look at verse 12. Oh, back up to verse 10. You know how that goes, right? And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time when he swears, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land I swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Now, now that's twice he said something, right? John 3.16, in there one time. Now we know that Caleb followed the Lord wholly, at least twice, right? You know that ain't the only one, right? <laughs> for me to be bringing up, flip over to Deuteronomy 1, just a couple pages. We're looking at what it means to be uh, to add valor to your faith and diligence, to have boldness. Joshua 1 and verse uh, 34 will start. And the, word, and the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth, swear saying, Surely there shall not one of these of this evil generation see the good land which I swear unto your fathers. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him I'll give the land that he hath trodden upon and to his children, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Now, who gets the inheritance? Those that wholly follow the Lord. And what, what was wholly following the Lord? We be well able to go do it. Now, that kind of doesn't line up with religious thinking, does it? We're well able to go kill our enemies. We're well able to go and take all these cities that are built. We're well able to go take that stuff that belongs to us. The wealth of the wicked that belongs to me, the righteous. He said, that's wholly following me. If that's not your attitude and that's not what you're going to... You don't put that in your heart and say, that's where I'm going. That I'm well able to do whatever God told me. To get riches, honor, and life and step out there and do it. Then you're not wholly following the Lord. And you don't get inheritance. You all see that? How many... How many got the inheritance out of this whole crew. Two. Now that brings up a whole other subject. If you're hanging out with the wrong people, will it keep you from getting your inheritance? How long did these guys have to wait because they were hooked up with a bunch of kooks? Forty years. Forty years. It took, it, they're waiting around 40 years with their clocks ticking because the people that they're hooked up with said, we can't do it. Well, maybe we want to take inventory who we're hooked up with and who we're listening to and who we're hanging out with and then wonder maybe why it's taking a long time. Amen, Andrew. That's so good. Go to Joshua 14. Let's see how Caleb gets his inheritance. Now, this is Joshua 14, right? In Joshua 1, when they all... when uh, this happened when Joshua said, all you mighty men of valor, get your stuff and let's go. We're going in three days. It's five years later. 
So they've taken Jericho and AI and a bunch of other stuff, and they're there at Gilgal. Okay? And now, here we go. It's five years since we've crossed it. We've been in quite a few battles now. Five years have gone by. And in verse 6, it said, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite, said unto him, You know the thing that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. What was the thing that God said? That those two would go in and inherit whatever land that they wanted. Wherever they trod their foot, they would get it. Five years, Caleb's been fighting battles for these guys. Before he said, where's mine? This is, I mean, the guy's got, I mean, he's a mighty man of valor. He's fighting for other people's stuff up to this point. He said, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. So that's how I know that he trusted God. It was in his heart that we be well able. It wasn't something that he, he imitated with the crowd because the crowd didn't go that way. You're going to have to stand against what the majority thinks in order to get your inheritance. You're going to be surrounded by people that say, you're not able and we're not able. And this is what most of the body of Christ is. So they just decided it would be more holy to be poor. So we change our theology, not minding what the Bible says, not minding what God says, so we'll match up that we think that we're not able, and then we'll preach it like it's the Bible. And then we'll do that for 1,700 years and pretty soon everybody will forget about it and then we end up with a really weak, nasty, sick church that's poor. He said, I, nevertheless, in verse 8, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Listen, if you listen to somebody that's going to say you're not able, if you listen to it long enough, it's going to make your heart melt. And then pretty soon you'll start thinking that you're not able. You can, if, somebody, if that ever comes across your radar screen, that somebody thinks that you can't do it, you better cut off relationship right there. Because you know what? I'm not going down with you. I am able. God said I can do it. And if you don't think I can, then I ain't talking to you. I got a thing. You all on this? Because it will keep you from going in and getting your inheritance. As sure as I'm standing here, that's what happened to Caleb and Joshua. I don't have time to wait 40 years for somebody to have their little pity party thinking that they don't have the ability to do it after God told them that they did. Andrew, that's so harsh. I want mine. I want my kids to get theirs. And that's not gonna, I'm not going to screw my kids over because I'm afraid to say to somebody who doesn't think that they're able and I'm able to, okay, we can still go to lunch. We can't. I'm sorry. If you want to get on board and be able, then I'm all with you. Otherwise, have a nice day. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely, wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now there it is, the fourth time that Caleb's testimony in the Word of God, written in this book, the written Word, he wholly followed God, a mighty man of valor. If you're not going to be someone of valor, you're not going to have that testimony about you when... Jesus stands in front of the Father. He's not going to say, there's somebody that wholly followed me if you're going to whine, cry, be a sissy baby and say we can't do it after he told you you could. If you're an equal partner with the Godhead, do you have the ability to do it? Absolutely. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, hallelujah, as He said these 40 and how many? 45 years. So how do you know, Andrew, it's five years after they went into Jericho? Because I know it was 40 years before they could go into Jericho, and now he's saying 45. So out of Caleb's own mouth, he was there, just doing an eyewitness account. He said it had been five more years. Y'all see that? Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day, in case you couldn't do the math, he does it for us, Four score and five years old. How old is that? Eighty-five years old. Oh, a mighty man of valor? Uh-huh. Eighty-five. Now he's eighty-five years old. It cost him forty-five years of getting his inheritance because of the ten spies that he was hooked up with. 
Now, this guy don't have Zoe. He don't have Zoe, life of God? He's a two-part being? And here's somebody who's a two-part being. Is 85, hacking and slashing and clawing with a sword and a shield. This ain't sterile combat, you know, snipe. He ain't like the sniper up in the tree with the 50 cal, you know, from two miles away. This is hand-to-hand combat. 85 years old. I like this guy. And he says, as yet, watch this, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me in. And as my strength was then, even so is it now, in case you didn't know what I'm talking about, for war, both to come in and go out. I'm just as strong in a defensive position or attacking. It doesn't matter to me, Joshua. I can do it. He still is believing that he is well able to go get his inheritance at 85 years old. He never came off it. This is valor. This is boldness. He still believes that he could do it because God told him he could 40 years ago. God told him, you know what? All these other cats are going to die. So you're going to have a 40-year delay, but I'm going to get it. I mean, no, at any time he could have died with the rest of those people. At any time he could have said, you know what? My kids will get that inheritance. It won't be for me. You know, I'm getting kind of old. Getting up there. Anybody got my walker? No, he's like, where's my sword? Real life, real time. This guy still believed he could do it at 85. So anybody thinks that, you know, my biological clock's ticking well, I'm, you know, I'm past, you know, I'm in middle age, or I'm, I've passed my dreams, and I've missed my window of opportunity. Did you? No. Your physical age ain't got jack diddly squat to do with it. Which again, if you've got the Zoe life of God and, and the life of Jesus show up in your body, it just goes along with that teaching, doesn't it? Imagine that. The Bible confirms itself. I'm just, I can't believe that. I might have to get born again. Right? Verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims, remember the giants? Yet were there. And the cities were great and fenced. So he says, look, it's Mount Hebron. And he says, I want it. And I know the giants are there. And the cities are really good there. He, he figures out what's the best piece of property. I want that one. You know what? It's the hardest one to get. Because the giants live there and their cities are fortified. They've got great defenses. And you, how many know? I don't know if you do, but in, in military, if you've got the high ground and you're defending, it's a really good spot to be. If you're attacking up the hill... From the low ground, it's not so good. He's not dissuaded. He's like, no, I'll go take it. Because look, why? What, what is his thought process? What is the thought process of somebody who has valor? What is the thought process of somebody who has boldness that they added to their faith and their diligence? Now, I love this. Watch this. He said, because if so be the Lord is, will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He said, look, if God's real, and what he said to me, that I'm able to do it. He didn't say God will do it, did he? No, this is a, a mighty man of valor. He said, look, if God's real, then what he told me is true, then I'm taking that mountain. He's betting it all, ain't he, on God. That's a level of trust. But he didn't have valor to add to it. He, you know, Because a lot of people think God can do it. God's not even in this equation, is he, other than was his word true? Did y'all find that? God's not even in the equation and other than is His Word true. And Joshua said, if, or Caleb said, if His Word's true, then I'm able to do it. If His Word's true, then I'm able to do whatever He set me up for. I'm able to get whatever He promised me. He promised him wherever your foot trods. He picked out the best thing and I said, I want that. How I many know if His foot didn't trot up on that mountain, He ain't getting it. So the only way He's going to get it is if He's up on King of the Hill, Right? In order to do that, you've got to go through the giants and the walled cities. But if God's true, if what His Word says is true, then I'm going to be able to do it. This is the thought process you need to have in order to get your inheritance. If you don't think you can do it, guess what? You're right, you can't. If you don't believe you can do it, you're right, you can't. Just stay home. Get on the other side with those, you know, I like the desert. Get over there with Gad and Reuben. Right? Well, this is nice over here. There's some scrub. There's some wild edibles. 
Right? I saw on Survivor Man how to, you know, get some moisture out of some cactus. That's good. <laughs> well, then stay over in the desert, you bunch of dum-dums. Right? But then don't be complaining why God didn't... Why God, He just gave them what they asked. So then look at verse 13. Joshua said, you old man, you can't go up there, you old fool. Sit your butt down. We'll send some young men up there. Is that what Joshua said? No, I said, and Joshua blessed him, and he gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Now Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, unto this day, because he what? Holy followed the Lord. What, are you kidding me? Another time? Five times! And the name of Hebron used to be, I am going to try, Kirjath Arba. Because Arba was the great man among the Anakins, the giants, and then the land had rest from war. Do you see that? They even changed the name of the mountain. The name of the mountain used to be named after the head giant because he was great amongst them. Whoop, thanks. Got it. Belongs to Caleb, it said forever. So if you want to go to Caleb's house during the millennium, you know where it's at. Right, just reading the Bible. Why is it his? Because he wholly followed the Lord. Holy following the Lord means that you say and you believe in your heart, because that's what he said, this word came out of my heart, that we are well able to do it. So now we've got to ask the question, if you don't believe I'm well able to do it, what do I got to do in order to get to that point to have this boldness? And it all rests in what? These nine things do what for your what? Your knowledge. Makes your knowledge fruitful. So if you don't believe it, then you've got to get knowledge. Okay, now that's the next one on the list. The next one on the list of nine things is knowledge. So if you don't think that you're well able, you know what you need to do? Is educate yourself and get the abilities to be able. Which is what we're going to work on next week. Because you know, I can beat Valor, and, and, uh, but unless you do something to raise your level of boldness, we all know we need it now, right? I don't need to spend another week talking about how we need it in order to get inheritance. What we need to know is how do I get boldness? How do I raise my level of valor? And how do I raise my abilities? Because holy following the Lord means that I say and I believe that I am well able to do it. So what i got to do is raise my well able to do it level. right? Because if I don't believe that, i got to get to the spot where I do. And that comes from knowledge. These nine things, they're, so, they're, they're very simple. It's not rocket science, and the Bible is so uh, practical. It's not some hokey-finokey, you know, spiritual hoo-ha, whatever. We're talking about real life, real time, getting riches. Do you all follow? So if we're going to be stuck in lack, we ain't just going to wait around all day and keep writing tithe checks and, and calling the angels to bring it. It ain't going to happen. Otherwise, it already happened. Do you all follow this? So what I need to do now is to get my ability up so I can believe in myself because I know there's nobody in here that don't believe God could do it. In fact, I'd be hard-pressed to say if there's anybody in the country, even the Muslims believe God has the ability to do whatever He wants. No one doubts God's ability, do they? It's our own ability that we doubt. And these people, they were afraid of the people of God, not God. And Caleb said... You know what? If God's Word's true, then I'm able. So it's all about me and my abilities to show up and do what God said. That kind of puts it on us, doesn't it? So, I mean, we really don't like that, a lot of people, because then we have to take responsibility for where our lives are at. But how I many know if we get a hold of this and we go, you know what, I can... There, there, see, really... This whole thing about destiny, it's up to you whether you get to your destination destiny or not. It's not just some, you know, snowflake thing. Dust in the wind, whatever it will be, will be fate. No. You make your own fate. You make your own destiny. You hook up with God, find out what He cues you up, and then realize that you're well able to go do it. If God's Word's true, then I'm able to do this. This is the thought process of somebody who has valor. If God's word is true, then I'm more than able to go do it. And I don't think anybody thinks that God's word ain't true in here. 
I don't know. I, most people believe the Bible that are Christians. So it's kind of hard not to be, you know, whatever. But if you believe that and God's Word's true, then you are able. How do I get there? Knowledge. So we're going to work on that next week. Is that all right? I feel like I'm, uh, I'm saying this over again in different ways because we really, I don't think we've really kind of thought about this before. To be honest with you, I don't think we have. I think we're all kind of thinking it was as if I Because we've been told if you don't get healed or if you don't get your inheritance because you didn't believe God enough. Haven't we been taught that? Well, you didn't trust God enough. You didn't believe Him enough. Your faith wasn't there. Really? That's not what this says. You could believe... Because you know good people that believe God. They trust God. They say the Word. They believe the Word. But if they don't have the valor, they don't believe that they're well able to do it, it stops right here. This is big. It's very big. It's rubber meets the road big, to be honest with you. Because it, there is no... I thought about it. You know what, Father? There's nobody that I know that doesn't believe you. That there's nobody I know. Even people in the world wouldn't say that God's not able. The only one being atheist. And what, I don't care what they say. I mean, you, you know, I mean, and I could fix that atheist problem. Just give me a 45. I'll be praying to God in a half a heartbeat. It's the truth. Amen. I know it's right. And then ask them, is God able to save you? Oh, why are you praying to them? Because they believe that God's able, even the atheist. So it's not that. It's not that. The misfire is that we don't think that we are. And if you're an equal partner with the Godhead, you are able. you got to be or else what kind of partnership is that? What kind of Godhead are you a part of? If you ain't able. When you're an equal partner with the Godhead, what a cheesy Godhead that would be, wouldn't it? Y'all following this? Is this kind of sinking in a little bit? Alright, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, bring it back to our remembrance in real life, real time. Help us to meditate on this. Get a hold of it. Get it down on the inside of us so that we understand that we are well able to do what Your Word says. If Your Word's true, then we're able. And I thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.